So we're continuing our series on uh, songs that we sing and uh, their meaning or and whether then we yeah, leave it up to you whether you agree with their meaning or not or whether you want us to carry on singing them or not. Uh, and uh, I thought I'd look at what some people call songs of lament which just seem to me to mean things, uh, songs where that acknowledge that things have gone badly wrong <coughs> and I'm struggling. They're not songs that we sing often in church, uh, but I think it's really important that we have such songs around and that we're aware of them and acknowledge that that is real life and that's not something that we should hide away from as church and as congregation coming together. So uh, some songs of lament that I could think of uh, as I was preparing for it. Uh, the first one that really came to me was, I've had questions without answers. I've known sorrow, I've known pain, but there's one thing that I'll cling to, uh, that you're faithful, Jesus, you're true. Uh, Tim Hughes writing back in 2003, uh, I, I remember at the time somebody telling me that, uh, that they thought it was written in response to uh, a friend uh, having a miscarriage. Uh, and that was him as a, a young, early 20s-year-old. I'm not sure. I haven't gone back to check that story out. Um, I know it was very meaningful for, for me when Amy had cancer. Uh, and here was something that I could sing with understanding and with feeling. Uh, and I was very interested to, to see, him, and we sang it a couple of weeks ago, this new song that he's brought out in collaboration with some others. Uh, called The Broken Hallelujah or Not My Will, um, which talks about how trouble is visited again. And I'm, I'm just at the end of my tether and songs that used to stir my faith now lies empty lyrics on a page. And all I can bring is a, with some honest praise and a broken hallelujah. And they're the only two that I could think of that really... The, almost the focus of the song is how tough life is. But uh, there are some other songs that I call partial songs of lament, and I don't mean they're partial songs, I mean they're songs of partial lament. I think I put the partial in the wrong place. Um, and what I mean is that they feel positive, but actually they're acknowledging that there's some rubbish going on as well, and that life is tough. Uh, and some of these would be Blessed Be Your Name uh, by Matt Redman, Beth and Matt Redman. Um, uh, interesting. I, I remember singing this one. This was a new song for me when Kate miscarried. Uh, and singing, you give and take away, you give and take away. My heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. Uh, it was very special. God in my living, again by Tim Hughes, uh, talks about being, God being there in my laughing, but also in my weeping. In my joy, but in my mourning. God with me. Uh, some older ones. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. If you read the story of uh, uh, Joseph Scriven and what led up to him writing this song, it's a, song, it's a story of tragedy and various close deaths in the family, uh, including his uh, wife. Um, but I've always sung it as a comforting, positive song. I hadn't really thought of it as a song of lament. It, that's what I mean by a song of partial lament. And teach me thy way, O Lord. Teach me thy way, thy gracious aid afford. Teach me thy way. Um, 
when trials, when storms and trials arise, teach me thy way. When storms will spread the skies, I'm muddling up the lyrics, but again, a much older one, but a song that it sounds positive, teach me your way, but is saying that through all the tough time, because life is really hard, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Teach me your way. Anyhow, <clears throat> I'm just going to focus on one song today, and it's none of those. Uh, it's a song of lament about climate change. Uh, and I came across this song uh, when it first came out in 2020. Uh, but first of all, a little bit of background. Uh, Genesis chapter 1, the beginning of Genesis chapter 1, God makes the heavens and the earth and everything in it, and it regularly says, and he looked at it and it was good. And he looked at it and it was good. Uh, and then we pick up in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 28. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over every living creature that moves on the ground. Now, that, that's my bold and italics, if you can see that in there, so that they may rule over. The first reason that God gives for creating people is to rule over what he has made. I know we often say the reason God made us was to be in relationship with him. But the first reason given in the Bible was to look after all the good stuff that he had made. And that really struck me when I, and I, whichever translation I read it in, it says something similar. And it talks about having dominion over. Anyhow, what does rule over mean? What does rule over mean and look like? Uh, so I did what all good people do, and I googled the meaning of rule over. And uh, this, this, this one I understood. Most things said something like this. To exercise absolute authority or control over someone or something exercise absolute authority that was pretty pretty big rule over uh, and kind of makes sense of why all the translations might uh, say have dominion over but what does that look like well what could it look like well I suggest that you could uh, rule over in possibly one of three ways you could uh, rule over something for your personal gain what can I get out of it I'm in charge uh, somewhat like a lot of dictators, I'm in charge and I'm getting out of this what I can get out of it. Or I could rule over for the benefit of those being ruled over. But that is really what I'm there to do, to do the best for those, or those things, those people that I have responsibility for here. Or I could just decide it's all too much and abdicate responsibility. And just like, this is too much for me. I'm not having it. I'm out. And if there's a higher authority, if somebody gives me that responsibility, should their desires and intentions be considered? 
where that, rule, where that authority has been delegated, should the authority be used in a way that the person who delegated it would like it to be used? So, have we, as people, done a good job at ruling over creation? Would the creator turn around and say, well done, good and faithful servant? Unfortunately, I don't think he would do it. It's, we, we have done some amazing things. Look, look at, just look around us. This is quite old school technology. It's a school. But we've got bricks, we've got wood, parquet flooring, we've got we've worked out ways to do lighting, we've got computers that can connect to all sorts of things. We can do all sorts of things. We've ruled over and uh, developed and exploited, that's a, ne a negative word, but we've, we've used what God has made to create and develop all sorts of amazing things. But at the expense of some of those people and things that we were meant to rule over, and I would have thought his intention is that we cared for them and we did well for them. So that's the kind of thing I was thinking about and wondering how I should respond as a Christian uh, and how this came into my everyday life and how it came as part of my prayer and worship when uh, this next song uh, dropped into my in-tray because I happened to be on a mailing list from this. I think I'm only on a mailing list for one group of songwriters. And, and this song came out uh, during COVID, actually. They've been working on it before. And the lyrics will come up here. If the fields are parched and the trees are felled, will the rocks cry aloud on their own? If the birds are starved and the beasts are killed, will the bones in the dust lift a song? Have mercy, Lord. Have mercy, Lord. Forgive our broken ways. Have mercy, Lord, have mercy. Renew the world you've made. As the oceans rise, and most of you will know that I worked for a year in the South Pacific, I've worked with people who, who literally, whose country now is at risk of, they, they only were a metre above sea level. Uh, uh, I think it's Kiribati, Kiribati, the Gilbert Islands, uh, are the first country in the world to try and file for digital status, that they continue to remain as a country even if they have no land, because their land is in danger of being flooded. Um, and uh, yeah, as the oceans rise and the wells run dry, do we care if disaster is near? If our children starve, will they cry to God? Will they curse us for closing our ears? Have mercy, Lord. And so this is what popped in, and I, it just like, yeah, this res I re resonate. This resonates with me. I like uh, these little things that come up the side here. Uh, that it seems to me that uh, allusion to uh, Jesus on the way into uh, Jerusalem, with everyone crying out "Hosanna, Hosanna," and this religious leader saying, "Shut up! Get them! Can you make them be quiet?" And he says, "No. If, if they keep quiet, even the rocks will cry out." Even the stones will cry aloud. If, if the fields of the trees won't clap their hands, aren't there to clap their hands? Will the rocks be left alone to cry out and praise to God? 
As the psalmist says in Psalm 6, who praises you from the grave? If there are no beasts, if there are no birds to sing their songs of praise in the morning, will their bones lift a song? And then the, the author, as quoted um, 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14 as, a, as part of the inspiration, which says, when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, uh, or command locusts to devour the land, or send a plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and I will heal their land. So I like the song, but then I got to verse 3. And uh, the third verse will come up, which just says, Still, a day will come when the Lord returns, and the earth will be perfect again. No more greed or war. No more tooth and claw, for the wolf and the lamb will be friends. And, and I kind of really liked that, but it really jarred with me as well. But doing this little series here has made me look into that last verse a bit more. <laughs> Think, what, what, why did he write that? I mean, I know it was scriptural, but it, it kind of seemed to me to go, um, uh, everything's bad, but it's all right, God will fix it. But I better look at what God is going to fix. So. so, a new heavens and a new earth. Uh, this comes up at various points in the Bible. Uh, Isaiah 65 at sea, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. The sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more. They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them, to plant and others eat. The wolf and the lamb will, be, will feed together. The lion will eat straw like the ox, the dust will be the serpent's food. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, says the Lord. And also in Revelation chapter 21, uh, the last book, virtually the last chapter, the last lines of the Bible, John writes, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is among the people, is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things have passed away. And so again, to the last verse of this song, he's just picking up things that are promised in the Bible uh, and say that that is the future. At some point, that is the future. What will the new heaven and earth be like? I don't know, it's clear from those passages and there's others around that it will be really good. It will be very good. But it also will be different from what we know and currently know. It's kind of, it's like the original garden you know, God made the heavens and the earth in Genesis 1. At the end of the Bible, we look forward to a new heaven and a new earth. Uh, 
and, and the tree of life appears in both stories. There's, there's lots of continuity, but it's also quite different. And uh, someone suggested, I thought it was quite helpful, that you might think about Christ's resurrection body. He, Christ Jesus lived as a person, had a body, and then it was no more. It, I mean, his body wasn't there, left behind, and he took on a new body. But his new body, which was his old body, but is his new body, was like his old body, but was a different. He could eat, but he could go through a wall without breaking it. He could appear and disappear. People kind of recognised him, but didn't recognise him. Look at all the people who, when he first appeared, they didn't realise who he was. He didn't somehow look like maybe, maybe they weren't expecting to see him. But on the other hand, he still had the marks in his hands and on his side and in his feet. He was the old, but he was new. And maybe some of that mystery is the new heavens and the new earth will be some of the old, but some of the new. I don't know. It's just something good is coming. And we need to look forward to it. So how should we live then? If we're currently in this state of the fields being parched and climate change, and we just heard about the, the fire in Hawaii, uh, or the, just everywhere, all around us, we hear it uh, week after week of the issues that, that are being faced. Um, and if that's where we currently are, but still looking forward to this new heaven and new earth, how then should we live now? And this is an old question. Oh, we've got a little alarm going somewhere, haven't we? Yeah. Um, that Peter in the Bible asked, the day of the Lord, and, and says, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. As you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with the promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth. Where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you're looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Uh, Jesus had a, an interesting little story he told, because people thought the kingdom of God was coming now, that it was near. And just after Zacchaeus has uh, repented and said, look, I'm going to give all the people I've cheated, I'll give them however many fold over, and I'm going to give half my wealth away. And people were like, wow, the kingdom of God is really coming close. And uh, as they were listening to Jesus talk about it, he went on to tell them a parable in Luke chapter 19, it's recorded for us. Because he was near Jerusalem and people thought the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. He said, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he said to his servants, uh, sent called ten of them and gave them ten miners, ten units of money and said put this money to work until I come back. And you know the story, most of you, uh, some of them did really well with the money they were given and made more. Uh, others didn't do quite so well but they still made more and one of them 
thought, man, this guy is really harsh uh, and severe ruler. I, I, don't, I don't know what he thought, uh, other than if he lost it, he'd be in trouble, so he would just bury it and look after it until the person returned and give it back to him. And uh, some people, the ones who'd done good with what they'd been given, uh, were praised and told that they would be given a lot more to look after. Uh, the one who hadn't done much was in trouble. And just as a word of warning, I was going to delete this verse, not delete it, but not show it. <laughs> so I thought, no, I will put it in. Um, down the bottom. Uh, I tell you that everyone who has more will be given, but for the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. But those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here and kill them in front of me. There is stark reminder of God's justice and punishment or dealing with wrongdoers at various points in the Bible uh, that we cannot just... Well, we can run away from it and hide from it and gloss over it, but it's there. Uh, there does seem to be a time that comes where he says, that enough's enough, it's judgment time now. Uh, how have you done? How did you live for me? Did you trust in my mercy? Or did you go your own way? No second chances. Anyhow, coming back to the song, it seemed to me there was a verse missing. I, I looked at it and I, I just thought, there's a verse missing. I, I want to know how I live now. I could have stopped it after verse 2 and said, Lord, have mercy. I, I didn't feel comfortable jumping straight to verse 3. And this, I, I, I was thinking and reading around the subject anyhow, and so these verse, this verse popped into my head. Uh, fairly quickly, then kind of settle down over a little bit later. Uh, we now choose to turn from the greed that's torn so much life from the face of the earth. May the things we eat, what we say and do, all be done for the glory of God. Give glory to God. Give glory to God. Let's mend our broken ways. Give glory to God. Give glory to God. Care for the world he made. And this was the kind of thinking behind that verse, or that extra thing that came in. Um, I wanted to give some indication of repentance, that I was going to turn from the way I was living and what I'm doing. It seemed to me pretty biblical to me. Uh, Matthew 4, Jesus says, uh, it's going around preaching, repent, turn around for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And in, in turning to repent, I wanted to acknowledge a little bit of what I was turning from, and it seems to me an underlying issue is greed, that ruling over I'm into, in it for what I can get out of it for me. Uh, I think that's a pretty universal trait. Um, and it's that greed that's torn so much life from the face of the earth. But the other verse was... Um, one that I was reading a book and, and this, the guy just, who was into growing as a Christian uh, and uh, growing food and ha had really struggled with the way so much food is grown. Agriculture is one of the largest causes of uh, 
greenhouse gases uh, and loss of biodiversity in the world. So alongside transport and one or two other things, it's one of the big issues. And he read 1 Corinthians, 13, uh, 1 Corinthians 10, which says this, So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Uh, Paul's writing about whether you're eating food offered to idols or not. And says, make sure that what you eat and drink, whatever you do, is done for God's glory. But this writer that I was reading had taken that out and said, well, the same's true for me. The food I eat, what I drink, is it one that takes my, the mandate God gave me and cares for creation? Or is it one that is taken there from greed? Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the Church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way, for I'm not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. I don't think there's a lot of, there's a lot of young people who are really concerned about climate change. Not many of them are looking to the church for how we should be living. Are we causing them to stumble by not taking the lead? In showing what it looks like to rule over creation. Hence those verses, uh, and you can see that's pretty much gone straight into that third verse, may the things we eat, what we drink and do, all be done for the glory of God. So, I had a song of lament that I was now happy to sing and willing to sing and willing to be challenged by, uh, because I, I, could, I could sing this with some integrity now and not just go, oh, God will fix it all. And so I wrote to the author and composer of the song and said, hey, I love your song, but it seems to me it's missing a verse. I mean, it's a very dangerous thing to do, isn't it? <laughs> this person spent ages crafting a song and some little upstart comes and says, oh, I think, I think you can make it better. Um, and I heard nothing. Uh, and then we ran an eco-event in the village uh, that we wanted it to do as part of a Sunday morning service as well. And I'm like, well, we've, this, this song's just appeared. Uh, it's just come out this year. And so we used it. And then we had um, a joint church service in Cumberton Leisure where loads of churches got together. And we had uh, a Franciscan monk come. And the Franciscans are very good at, are known for caring for creation. And so we wanted to use this song again. And I thought, I'd better contact the author again. i just get official permission. And we had a good uh, little bit of an email exchange. He did give me permission to use it. Uh, but it's part of a bigger set of songs for him. So he, in his album, he's dealing with issues of repentance and other songs. But here we go. Well, I'm not singing the whole album. I'm just singing one song. Uh, and so we've gone for it. And we've used it in church a few times. And it still continues to challenge me. Um, in my practical living uh, how yeah how much greed drives me how much laziness whether the things I'm eating and drinking have been raised and prepared in a way that honours God or not and they're looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth and recognising there is a future still to come so that was it. I'll stop there.